1: Greeney with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
2: Yes, it is. Rolling along. Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the Goodyear hotline, including Raja Bell, NBA analyst, is going to join us with his thoughts on Phoenix-Milwaukee tonight, game four. By now, you know that. Meantime, Hembo, just literally, you, you, you've now you've taken on what I think is a bad habit. What is that? You say things to me or show things to me literally as we're coming right out, which distract me from where I was going to go. So I just want to say, uh, Bubba, I want to ask you a question. Hembo just said something to me that no one, no, no one I can think of has ever said this to me. Certainly no man that I know has ever said this to me. Hembo just said, and I quote, their salads are too big for me. Like, I get my lunch every single day from the same place. I'm not, I'm not going to do an advertisement for them here, but someone picks me up a salad from this same place every day, and it's very good. And it's one of those good salads. You get a protein on it. You know, you get a lot of it's – a, it's a good balanced meal. Mm. You get a nice little piece of bread on the side with it. It's very delicious. And I mentioned it, and Hembo just says to me, with, with no – without a hint of self-awareness, <laughs> you know, their salads are too big for me. Bubba, have you ever had a salad that was too big for you?
1: Uh, no, I have not, and it's very clear that uh, Hembo would not be able to handle the infamous big salad. That's, <laughs> uh, that's true.
2: That's very good. Big tomatoes. Uh, but the Nuno, have you ever had a salad that was too big for you? I've had people say, you know, this steak is too big for me. I've heard people say, oh, I've never had anyone yeah, say that's this salad. Too much
1: lettuce. Yeah, that's, that's, I can't eat all this salad. <laughs> no, the. Uh, I'm just, at this point in time with Hembo, it's kind of just... He's in his own world. Yeah. Can I defend uh, myself here? here uh, here's
3: what I mean, okay? Yes, yeah. N- not to derail us from this Aaron Rodgers conversation Yes, Yes, you, well, you've
1: already
2: done that. I was going to get into Aaron Rodgers. I teased Shefty, mm-hmm. and 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 here, you throw me off with your <laughs> salad stuff right before we come out. My, here's, here's my salad stuff.
3: Very clear. I have a very big appetite. It's not that I can't eat a salad as large as the, uh, you do every day. It's not a meal. A salad is an accent. Like, I eat a salad with a piece of meat and maybe a carbohydrate. But I'm not going to choose a salad with all that nonsense in it as my only lunch that's the point salad is meant to be an accent not a meal
2: right that's that but that's ridiculous I mean you realize that you are now flying in the face of what an enormous number of people do I, I do not think that I'm unique in saying I'm having a salad for my lunch no not if it's accompanied by a soup or perhaps even a sandwich but certainly not by itself okay no that's just steadfastly ridiculous I'm not having a side salad I'm having like a big salad that's got chicken on it and tofu and all kinds of vegetables. I'd rather have the chicken
3: on the side, like, and I'll eat the chicken by itself and eat the salad by itself. I'm not defiling my chicken with this
2: lettuce. That's insane. Anyway, one way or another. I, th- now you all understand what I'm trying to overcome here. I'm working miracles every single day, folks. I mean, and to try and put on a reasonable show with a man who cannot eat a salad, I, I have no idea how in the world I'm going to continue. What does Shefty say? Uh, let's get to Shefty. So, Adam Schefter on his podcast, that's a fact. Let's set it up appropriately. I'm sorry. What? what,
4: what, what? I'm, sorry. what? what? I'm sorry.
0: What? I'm sorry.
1: What?
2: I'm sorry. What? Shefty's podcast. So the conventionalism, if you watch Get Up With Us in the mornings, or, and I do, I do a little bit of it here, but a lot more of it on the TV show, we've done a lot of speculating about what Aaron Rodgers' situation is going to be because it's the biggest story in the NFL, and it has endlessly interesting layers to me. Now for Aaron Rodgers to choose to sit out an NFL season at this stage of his career with a team that good over a personality conflict is it would be one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen. The comparison to Carson Palmer that people are going to make is really not an apt one. Carson Palmer felt he was wasting his career playing on this terrible team that not only were the Bengals bad, but at that time, they had a well-earned reputation for not being willing to spend the money to make the competitive. I remember a time Mike and I, and we had uh, one of their players on, I think it was KO Spikes, who said that they were excited because they got full-size towels in their locker room. That Like, they didn't have the same towels that other NFL teams had. You know, this is going back a very long way. But that was Carson Palmer basically saying, I'm just not doing this anymore. And he was willing to hold out and even potentially retire if he had to rather than play for them. That was that situation, whatever you may think of it. This is Aaron Rodgers on a team that's been to -to back-to-back NFC championship games. They're obviously really good. He doesn't have a conflict with the coach. He loves his teammates, all the rest of that. He has a personality clash with the president and or the general manager. He remains incredibly upset that they tr- traded up to draft a quarterback in round one last year, which I understand. But to choose to not play as a result of it would really be one of the, the most extraordinary acts we've seen from a great player in sports in recent years. So I make no apologies for, for the magnitude of the story. Anyway, I feel like the momentum in the conversation the last week or so has been, he's going to show up. He's going to show up. They're going to work it out. He's going to show up. Training camp starts in 13 days. He's going to show up. And then Adam Schefter on his podcast yesterday
4: said all of this. We also continue to wait for an answer from one Aaron Rodgers, who very easily could have dismissed all the speculation that's going on around him with a simple statement of, I'll see you at training camp or I'll be there on opening day. And instead, we haven't gotten that. Because the fact of the matter is, the truth is, he doesn't want to be in Green Bay. He hasn't planned to be back in Green Bay. Now, we'll see whether the Packers and him can come up with some sort of compromise that can lure him back there. But I don't believe, and I think Aaron Rodgers knows this, that he wants to be back there nor plans to be back there at this time. He just hasn't come out and said it. Look, the fact of the matter is he loves his coaches. He loves his teammates. Well, let me end it there, because that, that's the
2: really important part. And it, it's part of a, a longer discussion. And Shafty, look, no one you don't need me to tell you. No one has more insight than he does. But the words that you underline there are the word want and the word plan. Those are two very different things. Not wanting to be there is one thing. We all do things we don't want to do. We all go places we don't want to go. Not wanting to do something does not prohibit you from doing it. We all do that every day of our lives. But not planning to go is something entirely different. Training camp starts in 13 days. Mike Tannenbaum's on TV sitting right next to me this morning telling me, Greeny, this thing is going to spill into the regular season. If Aaron Rodgers, if Aaron Rodgers really holds out, imagine what this is going to be in a couple of weeks when training camp opens, if he's not there. If Aaron Rodgers is holding out, Aaron Rodgers, we've had very few examples of players of this magnitude holding out into the season or or, or even meaningfully into the preseason. The ones that jump immediately to mind, the first one that comes to mind is Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith, when the Cowboys were the best team in the National Football League, wanted a new contract after they won the Super Bowl at the end of the 91 season. Jerry didn't give it to him. He held out the first two games. They started bad. He gave them all the money he wanted. Emmett came back, and they won the Super Bowl mm-hmm. again. That's what happened. That's how that thing went. This is, he's a, this is Aaron Rodgers. I don't know that he's a player of a greater magnitude than Emmitt, but certainly the quarterback is different from the running back not being there. Uh, Mike Tanderham keeps using Darrell Revis as an example. Terrell Revis, at a time when I think he was the best defensive player in the NFL, held out with the Jets one year. And he ultimately signed right as the season was getting ready to start. And I was delighted. And generally, a corner, especially like him, a shutdown corner like Revis, Revis Island, just plug him out there, just put him back out there. It doesn't, the fact that he missed any time was almost meaningless. I have to believe it's going to have a significant impact if Rodgers is not there through the entire training camp, the entire preseason. Mike Tannenbaum was talking about week two, week three, seeing how Jordan Love is playing and how that's going to impact this situation. Are we really living in a world where that's the conversation we're going to be having? Are we living in a world where Aaron Rodgers is going to hold out into the NFL regular season? The one man who I think knows that answer is Bubba. Bubba, you tell me, is Aaron Rodgers, yes or no? Is he going to hold out into the regular? They're not trading him. Is Aaron Rodgers going to hold out into the regular season, Bubba, yes or no?
1: I I think he's going to now. I didn't think he was. I think he is now.
2: What, what changed your mind? Shefty?
1: Yeah, I just, you know, just life.
2: Just the way... <laughs> Just you, know, you woke up this morning feeling a little different.
1: Yeah, just, you know, just life.
2: It's just life has as life has convinced you that Not Aaron Rodgers
1: today, but just the last few weeks, months of
2: months. Yeah, this
1: <laughs> it's a, it's an evolving process. You know?
2: <laughs> so the evolution of this process over the last several months has yeah. brought you to the conclusion that Rodgers is going to hold out. Is he going to play for them at all this year? Yes. Okay. So 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 let it be written. So let it be done. If Baba says it, then you know it's going to be true. We will see. This this is it. It is about to become overwhelmingly the biggest story in sports. We are thirteen days away from that being. You know, I remember back in the days when Favre was holding out and we would have the helicopter. Joaquin was flying in the helicopter over his house and whatever, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, or whatever his hometown was. Like, we're about to be there. Because the difference with Favre was you knew he was coming. Right. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you knew he would show up. We don't know that about Aaron Rodgers. Greeny with you presented by Progressive Insurance, small business protection for more than vehicles with insurance expertise to keep your company moving forward. More at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Coming up next, the most sacred statue in. Sports has been defiled. I'll explain exactly what that means right after this on ESPN Radio.
0: KJC. But I don't believe that Aaron Rodgers will not play football this season. I believe he will play. It just won't be in Green Bay. More from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin tomorrow morning
1: starting at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN2.
2: Granny Rolling Along with You, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests on the Goodyear Hotline, Raja Bell, among them, he'll be live a little more than 10 minutes from now. A reminder there's always ways you can catch up with us here. We're live on ESPN Radio, coast to coast, two hours every day. We also stream live on ESPN Plus, and then the show lives for the entirety of the rest of the day, so you can watch anytime you want. And the show is also a podcast, it's posted daily each hour. As has its own podcast available wherever you get your podcasts, uh, and the name of the show is Hashtag Greeny. So uh, I told you the most sacred statue in sports has been defiled, and I will explain exactly what that means. The Tampa Bay Lightning, celebrating their second consecutive Stanley Cup, fans on social media were shocked when a picture circulated of the 128-year-old trophy with a massive dent in the cup The Hockey Hall of Fame's keeper of the cup could be seen carrying it with a blanket covering the bowl and then loading it into the back of a car. The word is it's going to be shipped back to Canada for repairs. There's no word on how the cup was damaged. Now, before we get into just how unique a situation this is, and it is way dented. I'm looking at the picture. (laughs) It is enormously dented. Um, When you are in the room with the Stanley Cup, it actually is a very cool experience. Mm. I don't mean in the building when they say the cup is in the building. That is one of the great experiences in sports. But I remember many years ago, they brought the Stanley Cup to Bristol, and they brought it into our studio on Mike and Mike. And, you know, we were looking at it and took pictures and whatever, and it's very cool to look at up close. Mm -hmm. But what I remember the most about that is that we had an NHL player, Rob Ray, who was a friend of the show, was in studio that day. He would not touch it. He would not touch the Hmm. cup because he had never won it. Did you? Yes, I touched it because I think my chances of ever winning it are pretty slim. (laughs) Um, So I touched it. What they will not let you do is pick it up over your head and, like, you know, the keepers of the cup won't let you do that. You're not allowed to do that.
3: Is there a rule book that comes with
2: them? No. There's a dude wearing white gloves who comes with it everywhere it goes, and he will tell you what you can and cannot do. Got it. And he's not playing around. I'll tell you that right now. So you cannot pick up the cup, hold it over your head, and and do all that. You can take a picture standing next Mm -hmm. to it. You can lean on it and all that. It's big. I I mean, you know how big it is. How heavy? Um, I don't know. I couldn't pick it up. But the the dude picks it up fairly easily. I don't think it's very heavy. Got it. But anyway, um, we found this story that suggests that the history of the cup being banged around a little bit is fairly rich. Listen to some of these stories. 1906, the Montreal Wanderers left the Stanley Cup at a photographer's studio for several weeks before anyone realized it was missing. They retrieved it after finding out the photographer was using the Stanley Cup to plant geraniums. <laughs> this was 1906. They were doing planting in the Stanley Cup. 1924, players of the Montreal Canadiens were en route to celebrate their victory at the home of the owner when they got a flat tire they took the cup out of the trunk to change <laughs> the flat and left it on the side of the road amazingly when they came back the cup was right where they had left it
3: not a lot of traffic huh
2: can you imagine that 1924 fast forward 1996 a colorado avalanche defenseman used the cup to have his daughter baptized in it <laughs> 2004, Walter Newbrand, the keeper of the cup, boarded a plane to British Columbia to deliver the trophy to uh, the head scout of the Lightning. However, officials of Air Canada at Vancouver's airport removed the cup before takeoff due to weight restrictions. The Stanley Cup spent the night in the luggage area before being flown to British Columbia the following day. So those, I just, I love stories like that. That is remarkable. And I've often thought, what would you do with the cup if you had it? That, my favorite tradition in sports, and I, of all the totems that you might win in sports, an Olympic gold medal, uh, a Heisman trophy, instantly recognizable. To me, the one I would most want to win would be a green jacket. Um, and and I mean, they would have to pry that off my dead body. You have to bring it back after one year. I'm telling you right now. There would be a hard. They have a hard time getting that thing back from me. But one way or another, the green jacket to me would be the. I would wear it everywhere. I would never take it off. I would shower in it. I would. I would sleep in it. I would wear the green jacket to literally everything for a calendar year. If you, Bubba, had the Stanley Cup for a day, like all these players and everyone else gets to, what would you do with it? What? How would you celebrate having the Stanley Cup?
1: Well. Uh, we'd uh, figure out a great way to set up some beer pong with
2: it. <laughs> so you'd be drinking beer. I have a suspicion that gets done every year yeah. by practically everyone. You would be drinking out of the Stanley Cup.
1: Uh, well, not even necessarily drinking out of it, but I think shooting into it, playing, you know. Yeah. Maybe playing some other, getting, getting some other drinking games going. Yeah, I think drinking out of it is a standard thing, but I think we got to think beyond that and go past that and think of different ways to... Uh, Come up with some drinking games to go go along with it.
2: Drinking games with the Stanley Cup, I like it. Nuno, how about you? What would you do with the cup if you had it for a day?
1: I would make a nice salad and place the <laughs> salad in the <laughs> cup.
2: <laughs> he would eat salad, Hembo, out of the. That Stanley would be cup. a big salad. That would be a big salad. Be a huge
3: salad. I would I would go more like a bowl of cereal, perhaps. I would I would eat soup, but obviously I'm not doing a salad. I mean, unless I have other things to eat.
2: What What would you do with the Stanley Cup if you had it for a
3: day? Oh, the same thing. I mean, if I could chug a beer out of it, that would be the best thing. But I don't... Like, I'm not David Bakhtiari. I'm not good at chugging beer. Like, Bubba's probably pretty good at chugging beer. That's what I would want to do, but I'd end up just soiling myself.
2: I got to think about that. What would I do with the Stanley Cup if I had it for a day? Like, there's... There's no reason to say I would bring it to a children's hospital or something like that because they do that all the time. Right. The, the cup spends a lot of time uh, visiting hospitals, and I mean, it would be nice to be able to do something like that, but I do wonder, if you had the Stanley Cup for a day, does, what would you do with it?
3: You Lom- can, like chip some balls into it? <laughs> that's, that's fun. Do we need the Lombardi Trophy guy to start being a little bit more uh, better in enforcing their rules? Because I mean, Tom Brady threw that thing from one boat to another. That's a... I mean, to me, if I'm the guy that does the Remember the silversmith got so mad about that? The, I, the,
2: no, it was, it was the daughter the da- of the person the, who made the right. Lombardi Trophy. The Stanley
3: Cup people are a lot she more... She wanted
2: t- an apology from Tom Brady.
3: <laughs> right. These Stanley Cup people, they're a lot more buttoned up. They had this thing figured out.
2: Oh, they don't fool around. Not at all. Well, let me, if they bring the Stanley Cup... Let me tell you. When they bring the Stanley Cup... Again, it's a dude with the white gloves... And you're not doing whatever you want to with that cup. 35 pounds, by the way. Uh, 35 pounds on the cup. So there you have it. It's a reasonably heavy cup. Uh, Raja Bell will join us as we continue. And then one final question of the day that we need today, and it has to do with the day of the week. Don't miss it. We're rolling along. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio.
1: Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets pizza. Better because it has to be.
2: Granny with you on ESPN Radio, live as always from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. Game four of the NBA Finals on the schedule tonight. Bucks Suns, you'll hear it here on most of these ESPN radio stations. Milwaukee's a a four-and-a-half point favorite at home tonight. 71% 71% of the money is on the Bucks. smart play might be Phoenix under those circumstances let's find out let's bring in a former Phoenix son he actually played for a lot of different teams and is now really doing an excellent job in in the sports media in a variety of ways there's a podcast at the ringer with our old buddy Ryan Rossillo and a whole lot more Raja Bell is with me on ESPN radio good morning Raja Bell
0: Good morning. Thanks for
2: having me. Well, thank you for, for being here. And I, 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 as, I, as I Googled you, I, by the way, I found out something about you I did not know that I'm looking forward to bringing up in just a few minutes. But let's start by getting into the game here. Um, and, and let's start with Cassidy Hubberth, was on the TV show with me the other day, and she said that the, the, she's hearing people around the league saying when Giannis Antetokounmpo figures out that he needs to be more like Shaq and less like Kobe, that he has another level of dominance that he could go to, that he that he can take this thing to an even higher level. When you hear that, I wonder what thought goes through your mind, and are we seeing that to some degree with the way he's playing in these finals?
0: Yeah, I, you know, that's interesting, and I think you are seeing it play out to some degree. Uh, I've said this for a long time about Giannis. He is obviously as dominant as there is in the game right now, but so much of what he did, Does is with the ball in his hands and when he's got the ball in his hands up top, initiating offense, pushing it on the break, that defense can load and they can get five sets of eyes on him and really build that that wall that you hear people talking about. Mm -hmm. Um and that's more Kobe esque, I guess, from a from a from a guard big perspective. The guard is gonna have the ball, people can load to him. I actually like Giannis doing what he's doing more of now, which is, yeah, sure, he'll bring it up sometimes, he'll initiate offense. But he's running into a lot more ball screens. Um, they're finding more opportunities to get him touches like on the mid post where he can, um, you know, quick face up and rip, rip baseline where there's no help or, you know, even just crab dribble Jay Crowder across the lane and get a little jump hook. And so I don't know that he has to turn all the way into Shaq in that regard where he's just posting and setting ball screens, but certainly more of that because it's easier to score when, when you're the recipient of some of those passes after the action's taken place than it is to score with five sets of eyes glued to you and you with the ball at the top of the key.
2: For sure. And, and look, he, the stat I have here is he posted up more times in game three than he did games one and two combined. It's interesting because it felt like the narrative coming out of game two in particular was, I, I think it was Kendrick who called the, the Bucks sort of a dumb team that they seemed to be sort of doing everything wrong Uh, And now I feel like the entire momentum of this thing changed after game three with as dominant as Giannis has been. How would you describe what's at stake tonight in game four in Milwaukee?
0: Yeah, I think this is, uh, I mean, look, I hate to say, playoff basketball is really funny in that like one win changes the way people Mm -hmm. see the series. Like it's a dramatic shift in the change. I don't think, I think Milwaukee has to win tonight. Obviously you can't go down three to one going back. Uh, to Phoenix so Milwaukee just needs to hold serve and if they do that I'm not going to panic on Phoenix I'm not because the the home court in this series seems really really valuable I mean it is in every series but this one seems just a little bit more uh, for these role role guys so I think Milwaukee needs to come out I thought they started it in game two but but Phoenix just shot so well from the three-point line that it overshadowed Milwaukee's efforts to get to the basket Giannis's dominance in the paint, the free-throw discrepancy that was in Game 2 and 3. But if Milwaukee continues to be kind of physically uh, dominant and continue to assert their will on the game physically, make those refs uh, blow a whistle. You know, Monty's done a good job of kind of setting the stage for the refs not to blow it, but it's the onus is on Milwaukee to continue to pound and continue to try to make those refs blow the whistle. If they do that and hold serve, I won't panic. I think I think the Suns are still in a decent spot going home
2: 2-2. Greeny and Raja, Bell, another thing that was brought to my attention that I hadn't really put together on Devin Booker, and Hembo, make sure I'm getting this number right. He has not had a game in which he has shot 50% from the floor since he broke his nose? Do That's I have right. that
3: right? That's right. Seven games, 36% from the field during that span.
2: So, look, I mean, I've, I've never played basketball at, at any significant level with or without a broken nose. <laughs> um Raja, it's got to be obviously – how much, if at all, do you feel like that is impacting him, and, and what factor do you think it is as we go forward in the series?
0: Well, it's a, it's a big factor. I think it is impacting him. Um, I think you could really tell that when when they chose not to put him back in in the fourth and, and Monty had him sitting over there with him, just kind of talking to him from everything I've heard from Monty. He doesn't like to get in people's heads. He, every interview you hear, he wants to give those guys space to kind of come out of it on their own, not have them thinking too much. The fact that he kind of sat in with him, I don't think it was an issue of him not putting him back because he wasn't going to be productive. I think he just wanted to rest him. He realized the game was kind of out of hand, but the conversation that I saw him having with Devin led me to believe that he thought Devin was kind of in his head and it was kind of affecting him. I would caution him and the Suns about coming out tonight and just trying to force feed him buckets. Mm -hmm. It's really weird sometimes. Like certainly they need him to score. He's got to be more efficient. Um, The beauty of the Suns is though they have a lot of guys that can get you 15 to 20. And Devin, if he's getting you know 22 to 23 with a bunch of other guys getting 15 to 17, they're they're probably more dangerous like that than when he scores 50. So I wouldn't come out and try to force him. Sometimes that can backfire. If I was D. Book. Uh, and I've never been as good as Deebo, clearly, but I would just kind of submit to the game, right? Like, when you get fascinated and caught up in your point production and what that means to a team, sometimes you can forget about doing the other things that are very, very important to the success of your ball club, right? And so he should go out there, he should defend with high energy, he should rebound, um, he should try to be a presence on the glass, and then eventually, you know, you, you get an opportunity to attack, try to get to that free throw line, get some easy buckets, and then the points come. But if they go out and press and try to feed him and get out of their rhythm offensively with the rest of those guys, it won't matter what he does offensively.
2: Rasha Bell is with me on ESPN Radio as we work our way through these NBA finals. To some degree, I think we look at the Suns as a team that is built around Chris Paul and his leadership and everything else there with all those really good young players he has and Ayton and Booker. And then we look at the Bucs and we see Giannis and we say, on a given night, is he going to get the help that he needs to get them over the hump? And that means Middleton and it means Holiday and the other guys. Do you feel like Giannis has enough? On his side to win three more games in this series.
0: That's a great question. Um, so, so obviously, I mean, I got a long history with the Suns. I, I, I pull for the Suns. The Bucks mm-hmm. have been, you know, one of my favorite teams over the last few years. So the answer to that is yes. I do believe they have enough. Um, now, whether that shows up consistently or not uh, enough or not is is ultimately the question for the Bucks. Um, you know it. it Again, this is going to be, you know, this is going to really hinge. I think Chris, Chris Middleton, you need Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday to, um, uh, to be, I don't know, 20-plus. Mm-hmm. The other one has to be in the high teens. And then you're going to need Bobby Portis um, at Brooke and those guys to continue to do what they do. It doesn't have to necessarily manifest itself in points, but they got to punish them on the offensive glass. they got to be around the rim. they got to be blocking shots, running down loose balls. Um, and then, you know, you're going to have to knock down a, a, a percentage of threes to win. I think they have enough. The problem with the Bucks is it's been relatively inconsistent from anyone outside of Giannis. And that's kind of what's scary for me.
2: Greeny and Raja Bell is with me. All right, one more thing before uh, I let you go here. I, I, as I say, obviously, I remember your career vividly. But I wanted to go, you know, and just look you up here and see if there was anything about you that I did not know. And I did find something. So I want you to tell me a story.
0: Just going to
1: sit back and have a little story time.
2: Tell me a story. Tell me and everybody the story of of your life from start to finish on the day May second, two thousand seven.
0: May second Oh, that's the <laughs> that's the day my that's the day my son was born. Uh, mm-hmm. My first son. I think we played Kobe that night. Um, my wife thought she was in labor, so we rushed her to the hospital uh, in Phoenix. She had a great doc, um, and she wasn't. She wasn't in labor. So we we got there and. It was a false alarm, and the docs were kind of like, "Well, you know, this could be a long day. We don't know if this is really going to linger into tomorrow. She could go in the next few days." And the docs were big Suns fans, so they kind of coerced my wife into inducing her that day. Um, we sat in the uh, we sat in the the hospital. He was delivered around noon, maybe one o'clock, and I was able to play in the game that night. Uh, my wife's never forgiven me for for having her induced so I could play playoff basketball, but it paid off.
2: Oh, my goodness. And we actually looked up the numbers. Wait, 41 minutes? You played 41 minutes, and you won in advance of the next round. How about that? How about that, Raj Abel? That's, right. <laughs> That's a good story. That's
0: commitment to the cause, right? We're working.
2: We also noticed with a, with a, a little bit of glee that our, our buddy Jalen Rose had a DNP in that game. <laughs> <laughs> ah,
0: J- Jalen, listen, Jalen is one of my favorite teammates of all time, man. He's a great vet. He's got some stories. I mean, I watch you guys all the time. He's got some great stories, but an awesome Awesome teammate, man! Shout out to Jay Rose.
2: Well, you got to—I t- need a story there. I, I need uh, Jalen, and and I mean uh, to be clear, Jalen and I—I've loved the man for 15 years, um, but I need a story. What, what what was Jalen like as a player?
0: Oh man, what was Jalen like as a player? Jalen, Jalen was so I got him at the tail end of his career, right? And mm-hmm. Jalen was, um, what's the best way to put this? He was kind of sometimes at that point. I think he realized. At that point in the, in the career, that Mike didn't have plans for. Mike was notorious, D'Antoni, that is, for kind of having a short rotation. Yeah, um, and Jalen was just fantastic because, you know, he came in, he did his work, um, you know, and he 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 still was kind of in shape, but he was kind of out of shape at the time. Mm-hmm. But when the lights clicked on in practice and it was time to show somebody that he could still do it, he would just cook, right? So. We were kind of laughing, Joe, because Jalen would come out. He had a little mini belly, but he would still cook you all day in practice just to show Mike that Mike should have been playing him. It was fantastic.
2: Yeah, uh, he, he, he had 59 DNPs that season. <laughs> Hembo tells me so. <laughs> so. I guess he got most of his work in practice. But we kid because we love him, uh, Raja Bell. I really enjoyed this. Thank you very much. Continued success uh, at the Ringer and all the rest of the things you're doing. And we'll check in again soon. Thank you so much.
0: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
2: All right, take care. That's Raja Bell again doing a podcast with our own friend uh, Ryan Rosillo and all all sorts of other work in the media here. There's obviously very good and he still has his allegiance to the Suns. He played for a lot of different teams, but I will always I always think of him as a son.
3: Right. Because of that um, rivalry with Kobe.
2: Correct. And and so that was good. Uh, He heard the sort of going through all that. And by the way, speaking of Rosillo, when
0: you tweet all that stuff out, guess
4: what? what? We got it.
2: My favorite tweet of the day. I have an etiquette question. Before I ask the etiquette question, I, I would like to ask Ryan in his, in his absence. He's not sitting here with us, but Ryan Rossella was a colleague, a teammate, a friend, whatever it is, for, for, forever. And I still keep in touch with him every now and again. We'll exchange a text. I need to ask him, what's going on in his life that he has time for this? <laughs> because he posted a tweet yesterday in which he tweeted, what is the earliest you've told someone to have a good weekend? I did it today. <laughs> And this this was a Tuesday, to be clear. So I have a variety of questions. The first of them is, like, what is going on in your life that you actually thought But I guess it is a legitimate question. Very if you say that what I want to ask Ryan is, did did those words slip out of your mouth accidentally or did you consciously think to yourself Because, is there some reason why, in talking to this person, the weekend was significant? Like, if I were having a conversation today with Rory McElroy, Mm -hmm. I might say, Have a good weekend, because this weekend is the British Open, and he, you know, he, he, this is a very big weekend for him. That seems unlikely. It seems unlikely he said it to Rory (laughs) McElroy. I agree. (laughs) So if he just was if he just you know, if he's hanging out with Bill Simmons and he runs into Bill and you know they haven't seen each other all a couple of days and he's like, All right, Bill, good to see you, man, have a good weekend and it's a Tuesday, I have to believe that's something that just slipped out. It has to. Even if you're not
3: going to see someone until the next week, Tuesday's much too early, isn't
2: it? Now, Seinfeld was, was where we first had the etiquette question of what's the latest into the year you can say happy new year. <laughs>
3: right. Like
2: that's a Seinfeld episode. And, and so Bubba, who is my uh, the vice president of all Seinfeld knowledge here. Um, I would ask you that question at, is there anything, do you have an issue with wishing someone a good weekend on a Tuesday?
1: Uh, I, I mean, I, got, I don't know if I have an issue with it. It's a little, I have an issue with it. I, yeah, I mean, I personally, uh, I don't, I don't see the need for any, ha- have a good weekends, so, you know, I'm going to get that out there right now. I don't do the. But why games. do you feel
2: that way? If if you and I say goodbye to each other on a Friday, like let me let me give, set the scene for everybody of how this works. Yeah. the show ends every day, mm-hmm. and Bubba and I will record whatever things need to be recorded for the following day, and then when they're done, he'll say, "Okay, Greeny, we're good," and I'll say, "All right, I'll see you tomorrow." On a Friday, I might very well say, "Have a good weekend." I would never do that on a Tuesday, and that's the point. Now, if you weren't anticipating seeing that person the rest of the week, would you say "Have a good weekend"?
1: No, I mean, at no point should you say it until before Friday. I would say, unless it's a long weekend. But I'm saying we should just do away with "Have a good weekend."
2: You're down on the whole good weekend.
1: Yeah, there's there's no need for it. But if you're going to say it, Tuesday's insane, (laughs) um, and it should be no earlier than Friday. I I think that I'm assuming Ryan just is completely lost in the NBA playoffs and doesn't even know what day it is. (laughs) Similar to you yesterday who didn't know what day it was. That is true. I did open
2: Get Up yesterday by welcoming everyone to our program on a Wednesday, and, and the only problem with that is that it was Tuesday. But even so, I didn't say have a good weekend when I ended the show. I I feel this is the kind of faux pas for which there should be consequences, Hembo.
3: Most definitely. But I disagree with Bubba that before, to me, if you're in in the summer, especially people take three day weekends all the time. If I if it's Thursday afternoon and and I'm going to see you again Monday to me, have a good weekend on Thursday is appropriate.
2: But not if I'm going to see you the next day. Most definitely not. And not if I don't know. Like in most Mm. encounters, we all work together. So, as a general rule, Mm -hmm. we should take ourselves out of this because we all know when we're going to see each other Mm -hmm. again. I know if you're off tomorrow or not. And we're going to, but I'm talking about you run into someone in the street that you see periodically. Someone you don't see all the time, someone you see from time to time. Yeah. We all have people like that in our lives. You might run into them picking up lunch. You might run into them, you know, wherever it is that you are, someone you just run into occasionally. If upon that greeting, when you are separating, at the end of that interaction, on a Tuesday, you say, have a good weekend. It's bordering on insulting.
3: It, it, it most definitely is. But if you don't know what that person's doing on the weekend and you run into them on Friday, do you still say it? Do you, do you say have a good weekend to someone if you don't know? Yes.
2: I think, I think on a Friday, it is a universal. It's fair game. Have a good weekend is a universal phenomenon on Fridays Regardless. Hmm. Regardless.
3: What if you have a friend that, work, that they might work on the weekends or maybe they have something planned over? It's uh,
2: still the weekend. Bubba works on the but you weekends. You don't tell sometimes. someone on Sunday to have a good week, do you? <laughs> well, you, you could. It, let's say there's someone you only see during the weekends. Like some of the golf guys that yeah. I hang out with, I, I know I'm not seeing. Hey, have a good week. I'll see you later. Have you a will, good week. You will do that. I'm big on the have a good week.
1: Hmm, Bubba, are you big on have a good week? No. OK, so I, you don't need to tell anyone to have anything. Just just live your life. <laughs> by, by the way, next week, Nuno is going to be off Thursday, Friday. So on Wednesday, are you going to tell him to have a good weekend? Yes,
2: I think I will say Nuno. Have a good weekend. And Nuno, what
1: are you
3: going to do on your vacation?
2: Not much. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting to me, like these little social interactions. They may, this may sound like minutia, but this is a perfect example of why I loved the show Seinfeld so much and still do. Because I used to jokingly say he just took my life and put it on television and made a billion dollars. And it wasn't just because I was a thin, neat, single Jewish guy living by myself at the time, um, which is what he was on the show and what I was at, uh, at that time in the, in the 90s when that show was popular. But – I love the little minutia of stuff like I do. I notice those things and I am endlessly interested in these conversations. And I'm always worried. There's always the talk show host in me always has an eye on the clock and thinking we've done two minutes on. Is it too early to say on a Tuesday? Have a good weekend. Are people turned off by that or do people like that as much as I do? I've never known the answer to that question. Bubba, what do you think? Do you think most people are as fascinated by this conversation as I am?
1: Most people, no. Any people? Is there anyone?
2: Did anyone continue listening through the entire.
1: (laughs) Right now. (laughs) Are we we now.
2: Is it now just the five of us talking to each other? Did everyone give up up on us?
1: 74 people. (laughs) 74 people
2: have stayed with us. Well, they're going to be happy they did because we're going to make them some money. Here we go. Hembo, my vice president of gambling and analytics. The Bucks are a four and a half point home favorite tonight. 71% 71% of the money is on the bucks. 86% of the public is on the over, which is 220 and a half. Thus, what is the smart play tonight,
3: Hembo? The smart play tonight is Phoenix plus four and a half. And if you're going to pair it with the under 220 and a half, that's a decent little play for tonight.
2: That's the play for tonight. Phoenix plus the four and a half. The under at 220 and a half. Again, 86% of the public is on the over. So we'll see you back again here tomorrow, and we will say you're welcome for that. And let's see what happens. Look, I'm, I, I, with no other rooting interest, I'm hoping the Bucks win the game mm-hmm. because I'd like to see this thing go a little bit of a distance. We'll see you tomorrow on ESPN Radio.